And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. As long as they keep making animated Star Wars, Hope Molnax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi everyone! Happy New Year! Woo! 2022! Let's hope it's better than the last two years. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of The Mandalorian. In this episode, a Mandalorian bounty hunter tracks a target for a well-paying client. There will be... We gotta self-destruct. Because we have spoken! And Baby Yoda is here! We're talking about The Mandalorian, Chapter 1, The Mandalorian this week. How you doing, Chris? New year, new show! Ah, another new show. If you've noticed, we've got a new intro to the show. I think I've written an intro now that will be able to uh, cover everything we do <laughs> from here on <laughs> without so Matt to, to have to re-record every time a new series comes out. So now instead of name-dropping the series, you'll get to, you have to identify it by the theme music. I am, I am a happy camper. My desk is covered with leftover Christmas candy. And so I am very excited about that. I had a very lovely Christmas. Did you have a good Christmas? Even though you know, <laughs> I had a good Christmas. I spent I spent my Christmas days off catching up on all the movies that everybody was talking about to see if I liked them or not and see how I felt about all of them. He was just telling me about the Matrix and the Spider Man. I saw the Matrix, the Spider Man, and the French Dispatch, the new Wes Anderson movie, and I liked all three of them. I enjoyed myself. I watched, I watched Encanto, and it made me cry, as a good Disney movie does, and it was not what I thought it was about. So if you want to watch a very beautiful, it's gorgeous, and a musical, a very beautiful muse, movie about generational trauma, anxiety, and pressure put onto you by family because of said generational trauma, go watch Encanto! For kids! You make it sound so upbeat. It uh, actually Spider-Man will bring a tear to your eye, too. Yeah. So, yeah. I had a good time, and we just had a really chill Christmas, and by the time this episode comes out, we'll be in 2022, so hopefully we'll have a really chill new year, because as of this recording, Book Boba Fett comes out tomorrow, and we're still in 2021, so we're in the future now, the future! I know, uh -huh. I, have a, I have a podcast recording tomorrow, so it's gonna be like a late night before bed, take a shower, watch a Book of Boba Fett. I gotta watch it, too, I just realized, because all my coworkers are all psyched to see it, too, so we'll have to be there to discuss it, in the, and I don't want to hear about it if I haven't seen it. <laughs> I, um, I'll probably watch it over coffee in the morning, as I usually do, because I have some friends who are like, I'm going to stay up till 3 a.m., and I was like, have fun, I'm going to sleep, Yeah. and then be fully awake, and then just watch it as I drink coffee in the morning and have a nice time. Yep. Mm. Mmm, I mean, chocolate. Christmas chocolate is the best chocolate. And we're still in the 12 days of Christmas, so I don't have to feel bad about it. Um, nom, 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 nom. Who said you ever had to feel bad about it? chocolate? I, well, had hot, I had hot chocolate the other day, and I forgot how good hot chocolate feels. Like, 
even mm -hmm. more than or more so than other hot drinks when you when you get a nice belly full of hot chocolate it just kind of settles in and it's the chocolate settles in too the, the chocolate starts seeping and i can feel i can feel almost like my pleasure endorphins almost going off just thinking about it mm-hmm and then it like spreads out and yep from your belly and your shoulders mm-hmm and your brain and it just settles in like heavier so if you feel like you just want to sit and curl up on a couch under a weighted blanket i actually yeah, well, saw a weighted baby Yoda myself, blanket. like in a snowsuit outside like walking through the woods and stuff because that's usually what it was like if we were going out to play my parents would just sling us a little we'd have a have a thermos full of uh, hot chocolate mm. yeah it was it was interesting going back on this so i i i gotta tell you well well for what i love this show i i think this show is is awesome and it like and i mean like people you know i mean we're just like hey we're on the mandalorian now but the mandalorian sort of like i think like broke a post last jedi spell where all these people were like eh, star wars and then the mandalorian came out and that just excited everybody about star everybody that likes star wars for the most part except for a couple grumps you know but there's always going to be a couple grumps but like this this movie really or movie this show really like sort of like gave star wars a little shot in the arm that it needed and uh and I don't know. I think you and I didn't feel it as much because I know we, you know, we were disappointed by the Last Jedi, but we've been still getting a you pretty. You mean Tross? Or, or yeah, I yeah. No, we love the Last Jedi. Uh, yeah, that's true, and and uh, the the last movie, <laughs> and uh, but we've been getting a nice a nice drip of solid Star Wars from the cartoons regularly, and then even when they're not when they're done, we're still watching them again for the show. So like this was like yeah the men I like I was like this is really good but I wasn't like oh thank god you know uh, Star Wars needed this I was just like very happy to see like it, you you know I'm gonna I'm gonna be the one that's gonna be drooling all through this show because I'm the visual guy especially this first season this is like this first season especially so certain episodes of this show are like master classes in visual storytelling so i was i was sort of my memory of this show in comparison to other shows that come after it was is like i thought i might not like it as much a second time but i was wrong i really liked it the second time i um at the time of this recording only season one and two are out so just so everybody knows um i think mando's fine <laughs> right, i think yeah. I think it's a fine show. It's not. It's definitely not my favorite. It doesn't get me hyped and excited, and I like it. I and there are definitely parts that I really do love about this show, but I think it's just fine. So I've been like kind of grumbling my way to get to Mandalorian because I'm like, I don't. Uh. And that so much of that is just live action is not my jam. I will. I will happily take Star Wars forever and always in animation, which I feel is when the show is the strongest, when the franchise is the strongest, because it doesn't have to worry about makeup and practical effects and CGI and blah, blah, blah. It can just 
be a galaxy far, far away, full of characters. You don't have to worry about prosthetics. Like, it can just thrive in animation and just do whatever the fuck it wants. It can parkour. It can, yeah. So, like, I... I, But I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm poo-pooing on the show because I do like Mando. Um, it was just... Coming back to this, I was just like... I'm going to have to warm back up into this again because I I just I think oh. Mando's fine and I like it, but I don't love it. Like well, the, I the, I, the, I love Clone Wars, I love Rebels, I love Resistance. I like Mando. Uh, the good thing is that seasons are eight episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. And, and and it's not a bad thing. Like I, I am excited to go back through it. I just um there's a lot of stuff that's happened to around the show and people in the show too, which has also dampened my view of the show, which we'll talk about when we get to episode four. Um, so yeah, I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about Mando, but I do like it. And it was interesting going back and like watching it, like the scenes with the armor and stuff like that. Like now that we've seen season two and we know that Din's in a cult, <laughs> Like those hit differently. Well, like that's, the that's yes, yes. I definitely have notes that I wouldn't have taken the first time through this, not having seen the the first two seasons of this. So it actually is really interesting watching this the second time through because, like, I, I have a lot of different thoughts and like um, having more context of other things. Like Doctor Pershing's a lot more interesting now because of the Bad Batch and stuff. Right. And those two shows are now very closely tied together. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I am I am ex- excited to get into Mando, That's but I'm not true. like this is gonna set a little bit. This is this is this will also set a little bit of uh, groundwork for Bad Batch too. Yeah, it did. We know that too. So, but I I don't want to sound like I'm like I I am happy to be here. I just I don't love it. I like it. <laughs> so here we go. Chris is gonna carry this one. <laughs> But I do have episodes I love, really love. Surprisingly, the Ahsoka episode is not one of them. I and can't. and you'll get to you get to enjoy Hope and I fighting over the eggs eventually. The egg, I love I love the Jawas and the eggs, the Suga. No, I'm talking about the I'm talking about Grogu and mm, yum yum. Mmm, mm, eggy waggy. So, you ready to get into this? I am. We're, we're going to have a lot of extra background information this week because we're not only going to be talking about the episode, we're going to be talking about the formation of the show. So, <clears throat> here we go. Chapter 1, The Mandalorian, is the first episode of The Mandalorian. It aired on November 12th, 2019. It was written by John Favreau, directed by Dave Filoni, being Filoni's first time directing in live action. Filoni later say, said in an interview about his directing debut... I hadn't directed something that I hadn't written in years. I would do my own pass on every episode of Clone Wars or Rebels to get it ready to shoot. But to have someone like John be supportive and instructive with the amazing amount of technical knowledge that he has was instrumental to my own rapid learning curve. And some extra information for you. Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, is played by Pedro Pascal. Though, for several episodes of season one, like the entirety of episode four, Din was played by the grandson of John Wayne, Brendan Wayne, due to scheduling conflicts that Pedro Pascal was finishing up filming Narcos at the time. Pascal ended up voicing over those episodes. So, there are some times that we're looking at the Duke's son, which is actually kind of fitting, because John Wayne was a cowboy, and this is like a spaghetti western cowboy show. Grandson. 
Yeah, yeah. Grief Karga is played by Carl Weathers. The client is played by Warner Herzog. The Dr. Pershing is played by Omid Tabahai. I'm going to try that again because I practiced this one. Cut that one out, Chris. Dr. Push Pershing is played by Omid Abtahi. Kuil is voiced by Nick Nolte while physically played by Misty Rojas. IG-11 is played by Taika Waititi. I can't say Taika's name at any point of my life. IG-11 is played by Taika Waititi. And the Mithril is played by Horatio Sanz. And the Armorer is played by Emily Swallow. In September 2017, Lucasfilm Kathleen Kennedy reached out to John Favreau for the possibility of a Disney Plus show. He expressed interest in doing something with Mandalorians. And then Favreau later met with Kennedy and Carrie Bett to pitch his idea for the show. Kennedy told him that Dave Filoni was also interested in telling stories about Mandalorian. And Filoni had also talked with Kennedy about wanting to work more in live action, and she had been sending him to several sets of the Star Wars films to study the production. Favreau was familiar with Filoni because, as we know from our Clone Wars coverage, John Favreau is the voice of Pre Vizsla in Star Wars The Clone Wars. A few days later, the three of them met again, and this time they were accompanied by Filoni and Christopher Yost. John Favreau revealed that even before he had the job, he had written four scripts to show Lucasfilm what the show would be, and to ensure that his vision made it to the screen. As writing continued, he had many discussions with co-executive producer Dave Filoni, who would give him feedback based on his experience working directly with George Lucas on The Clone Wars. Filoni would make sketches of Favreau's ideas. They're really cool. You should Google them, as Dave Filoni's sketches are always cool. Oh, I lost my spot from that segue. There I am. Which would be given to the department. Favreau also made a conscious effort for to appeal to all types of Star Wars fans, telling Entertainment Weekly, "Part of the fun is to see what we can merge uh, if we can merge the worlds of the original trilogy, the prequels, the sequels, the Clone Wars, and what's been considered canon up to this point, and what's been considered part of Legends." Now, my absolute favorite note: the idea of Baby Yoda's reveal. Uh, the idea to hide the Baby Yoda reveal is actually thanks to Donald Glover, who, as we all know, is uh, Lando and Solo. While Favreau was filming the live-action Lion King, he was also working in the early stages of creating Mandalorian. John was worried about the secret of Baby Yoda getting leaked early. Donald Glover then gave him the best advice, which John Favreau explained in an interview. We were talking about music and pop culture, and he was saying that people that what people really like now is to be a surprise because it doesn't happen that much anymore. When Beyonce did an album, she would just put it online and everyone would react to it. Just putting it out there spurred a conversation that would become more viral and bring more general, genuine attention than any marketing. So John Favreau took this idea to Disney executives and they hated it. It would leave them and toy companies no time to get ready for the holiday season. But John pushed and pushed what ended up paying off because Baby Yoda merch was in high demand in early 2020. At first, some toy companies were upset, but it ended up working in their favor. A Hasbro executive stated that Baby Yoda merch actually saved them because by that time, the COVID-19 pandemic had already started, their sales was tanking, and what carried them through the pandemic was Grogu merch being sold. (laughs) Sorry, Yoda. Ludwig Gorison is the composer for the series. Favreau wanted the music to be a little grittier, a little edgier, and a little bit more tech-oriented, something that felt half-tech, half-classic. Goranson 
uh, took his initial inspiration from a nature hike, going for an organic sound that made heavy use of woodwinds combined with electronic instruments and orchestra music. The series The Mandalorian takes place nine years after Return of the Jedi and the Battle of Yavin. And finally, this was a fun note because we talked about this a few weeks ago. This episode is the first time in live action since Ewoks Battle for Endor that we've seen Blurgs in live action. Yeah, but only a couple weeks for us. I know, I know. Blurgs. I'm here with my Baby Yoda stuffed animal and my Baby Yoda weighted blanket and my Baby Yoda socks. And my, I actually have a grit. Okay, I don't actually own any of that, but I do have a Dead and Grogu pen right here. But this puked was a, a Christmas gift. Puked a little in his mouth, Yoda did. Aww. Hi, Yoda! Yeah. New year, new season! Yeah. yeah! Yeah! I got my... You hear that? My my friend Candace sent me a Grogu and Den pen. I got two of them. This pen has Grogu on Din's back, like how you rode on Luke's back. It's Nobody really... wants to buy Yoda pen topper anymore. And this one has Ding blushing as he holds his sleeping baby child. They're very cute. Yeah, they're very. So thank you to my friend Candace for sending me these. Hi, Yoda. Hi. So I, I got actually a couple questions for you. Oh, questions for Yoda, yes. Yes, because you're so important, Yoda. We want to make sure that you're part of this. So the first question it actually is from a listener. This is from Paul C. Kelly. Ooh, yeah. And Paul C. Kelly wrote, Yoda, do you like American Kit Kats? If so, what flavor? And if not, what flavor would you make so you could enjoy them, man? Yoda likes short hair Kit Kats. Mm. Does that like the long hair Kit's hairballs? Yes. Uh, you're, so your Kit Kats have hair in them? Yes, a little cute paws and nose. Uh, mm. uh, as someone who really hates hair, that's very disgusting for learned, me. Learned, learned from Alf, Yoda did. Yes, yummy treat. Did you say from Alf? Yes. Okay, I just want to make sure I heard you right. <laughs> Alien life form. Yes. Do, do they have frog flavored Kit Kats? Or on Dagobah? Do not know. No, they call those frogs. Mm, on Dagobah. Uh. Oh, Kit Kats. Kit Kats. Yes. Kit Kat. <laughs> Yoda, okay. Yoda can call Kit Kats right to him. Yes. Opens a can of peas or corn. Kit Kats come. Yes. Ah. Yoda's belly. They do. <laughs> Don't take that out of context. What? <laughs> you said it comes in Yoda's belly. Don't take oh. that out of context. Oh, get into Yoda's belly, Kit Kats. <laughs> Make sure you come. I do have another question sure. for you. And this one was uh, from Another me. question? Okay. I do. And this one's from me. Okay. Um, 
So I was wondering, because, you know, we love you so much, and uh-huh. you're our third podcaster and everything. Uh-huh. Aren't you excited that Grogu is finally joining us? Oh, yeah. So cool it is. Yes. He, so he, cool. He waddled so in. He waddled in, and he was all like, hello, I'm Grogu. And I was like, aw. Oh, wait. Just a minute. Look. Look what Yoda got in the mail. Oh. Royalty check from Yoda's toys. Mm, one fifth of one cent. Mm. Wow. Yeah, awesome, Grogu. I am checking Grogu's uh, royalty check. No. He's a baby. No. He can't weed. He can't weed. His royalty check is holy shit, you could buy a car. Yeah, Yoda could use a car. So, Goku is going to buy Yo- Mr. Yoda a car. Sure he is. Yeah, he's a good boy, Mr. Goku. Yeah. Yoda not even on Grogu's phone. I have, I did hear, between you and me, I heard he was a prima donna. Between you and me. Yoda knows much. Yeah, yeah. But he had to learn it from somewhere. Yoda will tell, too, if the price is right. Mm. No, oh, oh. Maybe I, I can steal that royalty check and we'll have, uh, you can tell me all about it. Mm, get Yoda on social media. Mm. Yeah. All right, well, I will let you get going so we can start yeah. talking about Gwogu's show. Gwogu's <laughs> show. Bye. He's so jealous. He hates this. Oh, yeah, he's gonna hate this whole thing. Scrunched up and oh, he's not a happy camper. I'm excited. I'm thinking. I'm gonna like this show. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, we thought Yoda was grumpy before. He's gonna be gonna extra salt grumpy. Out, salt around here all the time. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, Act One. Act One. So you should know, unlike the previous shows, these don't have commercial breaks. So Hope just did the best she can. Here we go. Hope just, Hope just sort of started and stopped when each one seemed to be an even chunk. So Yeah, I mean, give or take. Like, this episode was a little bit more than 30 minutes. So I kind of just went, like, 10-minute chunks at a time. It was, it, it roughly broke down that way. It was, like, 13, 8, and, like, 12. so Or, like, 10. So it was fine. Act one of The Mandalorian. The story begins in a seedy bar on an ice planet and everything is windy and and there's a beeping sound because a mystery man comes out of the snow like a daisy and his little tracking fob is like that's a tracking fob apparently and he walks through the ice. And inside town, there is a bar, and it's like a, you know, a seedy western bar, and everyone's all like, brr, brr. And there is a poor man who is a mithril, who is still not named at this point, now that I think about it. I don't think that character has a name. It's Horatio Sands, the mithril. And he's being beaten up by these guys, and they're like, we're gonna cut his gills off and sell him. He was like, oh, please, I'm a funny man. Please don't. I have jokes, and that's all I have. And the door opens, and the Mando walks in. And he's all like, sup? And he goes over to the bar, and he sits down. And one of the big, big, bad guys is like, you spilled my drink. And Bando's like, I, I wasn't here, bro. I just, I wasn't here. 
Thanks. And the guy comes over and he's like, I'm gonna take your Mando armor. And then the Mando does what he does best. Sighed. He sighs in annoyance, just going, <sighs> and then he beats the shit out of them. And he cuts you make the him sound like an angry teen. Oh, oh, I, as you guys are gonna discover throughout the course of the show, Dinjarin is a himbo. He is he is just so pretty and dumb as rocks, and I love him for it. He is a himbo, and I love him. <laughs> so that's how hope views the Mando, because he's just no, kind of a... You know what? You know what? I never thought of that, but you know what? You are right. He's are he's right. bad at everything, but that's what I like about him. He gets his ass kicked by Jawas next week when he's around, like, Bo-Katan and her two little Mandos. He's the guy that's just kind of like, I'm just gonna distract them and run out the blasters, and they're like, okay, have fun, and he's like, ah! Yeah, when he's blasters. not when he's not using his work voice, he's sort of like a cop. He's got his work demeanor where he's like a badass, but, like, yeah, when he's not using it, he just sort of has that slow, earnest yeah. delivery of a, of a sort of dumb himbo. Yeah, a, okay. It, he's a sweet boy because that's that's a key to himbos himbos are really sweet and they're kind and they have good moral codes they're just kind of dumb and pretty they ain't that bright yeah but but and that's what i like about dinjarin is he is god bless him yeah but and it makes him a damn good and he tries his best anyway so he's just like i just want to drink and then he beats up with the the guys and he like goes to the ferry and he finally comes over to the mithril because he beat up all the other guys and he cut a dude in half and the mithril is like funny line here i have money and the mando is just like all right i'm gonna be really cool here it goes i can bring you in alive or i can bring you in Cold. Was that cool? Is this so cool to me? And then Mithril's like, what's happening? Oh, you're here to arrest me. Let's go. So they go out to the ferryman, and the ferryman's like, would you like a ride? And he was like, yes, please. And the car drives up, and it's a droid. And he's like, no, no droids. I have trauma with droids. That's going to put me on an emotional arc for the rest of the season. I'll be fine. So anyway, Bert from Big Bang Theory drives up, and he's all like, hi, I'm a funny guy. I'm one of many comedic actors that makes cameos in this show because pretty much it's just John Favreau's friends are just showing up to troll Star Wars. That's how we got Bill Burr. <laughs> God bless. And I know. And so they drive out there and the Mithril is like, oh, ha, ha, more I'm trying to get out of this. I have money, lots of money. I'm freaking out. And then they get attacked by a walrus. And Din Djarin is like, hey, that's my ship. Don't touch my ship. And he stabs the wars, and the wars is like, ow! And they fly away. And then the Mithril is just like, I'm gonna go pee now. Very, very not subtly, I'm going to go pee right now. Bye bye. And Mando's like, he's not gonna pee. <laughs> and um, Mithril. You said evacuate, so I'm thinking more poop. I think, I think it was, was. He was trying to talk big number, big cabbage number two. Yeah, like, I'm gonna be a while as I shit on your ship. And Mando's like, please, please don't shit on my ship. I have to clean this thing. So, but it's all a ruse, because the Mithril is just like, I'm gonna try and find a gun and get out of here. And he's, like, making up excuses. And he just keeps talking, which is, like, you know, something you shouldn't do. Um, and Mith and then climbs down there, and he's just like, hey, 
I gotcha! And he throws them in carbonite, and the Mithril's like, ah! And then they go to... They head over to Navarro, which is a cool planet that we'll get to know and love over the course of the show, because it's home base. Because they have to go meet Grief Karga. Dun, dun, dun. What do you think of Act 1? Oh, I thought it was kind of a perfect intro. Um, the first few scenes, there's parts of it, like, on the ice with the little Piper guy. Looks a little canned. It, it looks like they didn't hadn't perfected like getting outdoor look i was just picking up a like indoor lighting and out like okay they're using an indoor set on it but as that's pretty much what ilm was like the um what is it called like the dome the 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 void whatever it's called it gets more and more seamless as the as the episode and as the series goes on but I, i i remember this one looking a little bit canned but it's just like the intro episode and as such it's kind of perfect um um i just have like little, little oh shit oh shit i cut off my 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 recap too early because i just realized i i cut off my recap too early what, what what do you need to add to it add it right on i guess i could just i could just move this to the next line Oh, okay, okay. You just have to shift your notes. Yeah, I just yeah. had to. I had to look at your recaps and then just draw lines on my notes. But mine divide up. Mine mine divided up pretty good. Um. Uh, with with these with an outdoor land speeder in the winter, isn't it really easy to build a little roof on it? <laughs> you know might be a little more aerodynamic too for like when you're out in the winter instead of just wearing a heavy jacket and having the having the wind blow in your face but um and my only other real real note with it well it, uh, big fanboy thing for all of us old school people who first saw boba fett in the star wars holiday special is he's got his weapon from the disintegrator i love that yeah. From the holiday special. I actually really love that blaster. Uh, that gun, that rifle, the, the disintegrator rifle, I think it is. Yeah. And, and this, when we get to see it next week, I, like when I'm seeing it in action, I was just like, oh, fuck, shit. This was one, the, the scene with the walrus creature was one that I remember, like, I, I remember it being longer and not being, like, for some reason I was like, eh, I don't know about this scene. But the second time around, it's just a nice little short scene, and uh, I love how it I, how it still looks a little rubbery in a really good way. It's still when it yeah. bites onto the ship, it's still got a little rubbery feel to it. And I was just like, yes. I have to wonder if maybe like I know it's not fully a practical effect and stuff like that, but if maybe there is like a little bit of like a oh, giant yeah, they, puppet. I, I, they might have used the. They, it just might have the CG might have ended up just luckily looking puppety or they purposely made it puppet puppety but i wouldn't doubt if they used a puppet to for the close-up scene of it of it ripping onto the ship you know yeah but that's Um, all i really got for the first part um i have a story about this mithril and why i got tagged as like the mithril lover when actually i just think he's fine (laughs) Because 
not this past summer, but the summer before, um, I was on the Pink Milk Roundtable talking about all of season one Amanda with them. And one of the things was um, the, our very first episode, everyone was kind of shitting on the Mithril. And I thought he was an okay character. He's just one of those, like, everyday... And that got turned into Hope's a Mithril lover. Absolutely. The and so it still lives to this day. And I'm just like, I don't, like, he's he's fine. But I just, you know, I wasn't going to shit on him when I thought he was fine. And I was, like, the only one defending him. Because this character did get a lot of shit. And I, I don't think there's anything horrible about him. He's a he's character kind type. Of a comedy character that you wouldn't expect in you know it, yeah. it, he sort of breaks the serious super serious tone of it but at the same point he he doesn't he doesn't do the things that would annoy me about a character like that as in being like maybe too modern or or whatever he yeah. skirts the line a little bit but he's yeah. he's, he's playing untouched. nervous energy you know mm-hmm and it, and that carries uh, over like carries uh, over into season two it was actually a very uh, nice setup for season two yeah you can't can't waste a good comedy actor anyway when you got him you got to make him into a running running character but he's i i think they use him just enough and just just like you i don't think he's a great character but i think he's he's fine yeah yeah and so i will forever in the pink milk crowd be known as the mithril lover but, when you know what fine you know, whatever Every show's got to find their 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 quote unquote thing thing that they can have a running gag on not liking or or liking. So they, yeah, they can have the mithril. We'll find something to <laughs> make fun of. I do like the ferryman um, using the flute to summon the other speeders. Yeah, um, that's a nice little just whimsy kind of th- like Star Wars thing. Like it makes no sense. It makes yeah. no sense at all. It's just the way they do it there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just one of those like whimsy little Star Wars things that has no explanation, um, but it's just really really cool. Well, I know those guys with the the ferryman that isn't that kind of like that that um, species and their voices just sort of like. I I don't remember, but there is there was one of them in that. Star Wars uh, in, yeah. in, uh, talking to a stormtrooper for two seconds, and they sh- they show up here and there. And maybe his language is just so like hard to hard to crack that it's like, yeah, we just give him a flute, so then he can. It's easier to just do a little ten note combination to communicate. <laughs> from that character in uh, A New Hope that you're talking about, as someone who has read from a certain point of view, I don't remember a goddamn thing about it. <laughs> so there is something about that species about that, that guy. is. There, but there is, you're, you're not wrong. There is something about that species. I don't fucking remember because sure. I did not finish that book because that cantina scene goes on for too damn long. Um, I have in big letters, Bert, no! <laughs> because that actor who got eaten by the wet, the walrus was Bert from Big Bang Theory. And I was just like, oh, Bert, no! <laughs> Brian Posner or Posner? Posner. Yeah. yeah. He's a, I, he's, I was, he's very funny. If you ever see any of his stand-up comedy, I I just re- I remember I always put I put him in as a like in this like this box that he's sort of like a shaggier, more like maybe doing more bong hits and shots version of like Patton Oswalt. You can tell he's a super. A lot of his humor is based on super unknowing. Uh, 
an awful lot about Star Wars and Star Trek and stuff like that. But he's also he he was on the Ben Stiller show back way back in the day. Or maybe I'm thinking the Mr. Show. He might have been on the Mr. Show. He was on one of the shows with with Odenkirk. But yeah, he's a he's a good comedian and I like him. He's really dry, you know. Yeah. He's not. I like that character. He's not as goofy comedy he's just that more of just like that 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 stoner friend you have at D, you know that's actually something that kind of surprises me about this show is how many like like comedy comedic cameos are in here in well, the series you're in the seedier world and 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 you're gonna get more characters that are see you know like hondo you know, you're gonna yeah. Like, humor humor is a a way to get is a is another way besides violence to get out of situations, and to survive if say you're not a Mandalorian, <laughs> you know, and uh, so yeah, you're good and 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 when you're when you're down around the seedier characters, there's a lot more people with with senses of humor too. There's a lot yeah. more humor because it's a coping mechanism of being in the yeah, in but there's the, like. There's so many like like um oh who plays Pelly? Oh god. Who plays Pelly? Hope has to click on another thing. Cause my my brain just stopped. Um who plays Pelly? Hold on. Pelly Moto Mandalorian. What is her what is her name? My brain is not working. What is her name? A- Amy Sedaris. There we go. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's like Amy Sedaris, Jason Sudeikis, um, uh, Bert right here. I mean, there's so many like like SNL like characters, and, yeah. I, and I think that's really it, interesting because when Amy Sedaris comes in, she pushes the comedy level a little. It, it's almost like like she doesn't actually push the comedy level, but she pushes like the character out of a TV show, you know, level to the edge of it, but never over the edge. But I like that about her too. Yeah, no, her character is very like that's what that's what I'm saying. They 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 know when not to. They know what level to take it to to make it work. You know, right in the tone yeah. of the show. Like Pelly is hands down one of my favorite characters of the show. Like I uh, love her. Like all of these people so far, except for Bill Burt, like Posner, her, you know, and Horatio Sands. If people are like, oh yeah, they're gonna be the Mandalorian, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's I can see that. When like Bill Burr, I was almost like I would almost have been like, I don't know, Bill Burr will take me out of it, and he turns out to be the most awesome one of the sort of celeb. Well, I would. He's the the most awesome one from the comedy world. We're gonna get to my fa- my favorite, my grievy, my grievy of of Mando, soon mm. enough. Um, my next note is uh, I, I got so used to Mando's like really shiny armor in season two, I realized how much I missed his old yeah, armor. Yeah, I agree. Like, I like the beat up. I like well, it just fits so good in Star Wars, you know, the beat to shit armor. Yeah, a bounty hunter. But yeah, like I really miss Mando's old armor. Like it's so cool, it's so worn, it's so beaten up, and I, I kind of wish he didn't get the new armor so quickly. I wish I, because I kind of liked the idea of him like building up his Mando armor piece by piece, and maybe like getting like big pieces, like a whole chest plate, but like. And- in the next part, I have some notes, yeah, that, that that will connect with that really 
really good. Well, actually, maybe I should bring him into here because it really connects with that really good. Yeah, go ahead. Um, like um, the the their armor is such a display of power. It's just the the the, the it's their power level, you know, because it's like walking. It's like rap stars walking around with a million dollars worth of uh, gold chains around their neck. They're they're walking around with like one of the rare like rarest metals just like out in the open into the like seediest places, but they're Mandalorians and nobody, you know, <laughs> God help anybody who tries to take it from them. So it's just like, you know, whereas if if you were just some dude and put on a Mandalorian outfit and just like, I'm going to go down to the cantina and get a drink, you're going to end up dead and somebody's going to have a new set of Mando armor, you know. Yeah, probably worth, you know, a a million space dollars in the black market. So they're like that. That armor is just like the the shinier it is. And like, yeah, his it it, like it should it should have taken longer for his armor to get shiny because it was his power level growing. You know, maybe it's also the point of everything. Because because we know from like rebels and like Sabine and and Bo-Katan and stuff like that and like what their armor means to them and how it's part of their identity. So like when you see the armor and she has this like kind of like hunter's garb with a gold helmet, like we know that's part of her identity. And I I feel like with this season one armor of what we're seeing in this episode, that is Din. That is who Din is. So when he gets the fully like shiny armor, it's almost like he's playing mando does that make sense and so so much of season two like he has this shiny armor and the whole point of that is like he's playing almost in this role to try and find his own place and his own purpose and his own identity so the armor doesn't quite fit him and i, I feel like and then then it's so important that when we finally see his face in season two at the end of season two he takes off his mask so grogu can see his face we're finally seeing him starting to come into that armor. Does that make sense? Or am I just rambling? Yeah, no. And also starting and it's, and it's not the armor that makes him, you know, it's yeah. not the armor that does it. And it's, it's, it's a symbol of the, and I'll get, I want to get, wait till the next part to get more into that, but it's a, it's a symbol of, of the extremism, his extremism. So mm-hmm. he's, he's wearing this thing that doesn't quite fit him. And I think that's why I love his episode one armor so much, because I do feel like this is very much Dan. It's kind of put together, but it's his and it's worn and it's dirty, but it's still like it it feels like Dan. And I feel like he has to grow into the shiny armor of season two, which is his character arc, it's which is fine. Yeah. yeah, that's called character development. So, like, it's the point. So, yeah. Um, the only other note I have for Act One is I don't fucking understand how tracking fobs work in this universe. I think they're just a, I think they're just a simple like GPS G, GPS. How does every person in the universe have like something injected in them at birth so then they can no. be tracked no matter what? Like it makes no sense. No, but some people probably do. Some people who probably went to prison and stuff, and they have one for Baby Yoda because. They put one in, you know, they're they're somebody's keeping track, and so they put one in like they they chipped him or that you know, but somehow. But yeah, I don't think you could just like punch up anybody on a tracking fob. But if you know who you're looking for, you can, and they have, you know, a tracking fob. And if you're a bounty hunter, probably higher odds that the people that like. 
that you that you are after would have a tracking chip in them you know this is where we start kind of getting into bad batch slash clone wars territory because we see the implement of chain codes in the um cut laquane episode of bad batch where the empire is like everybody in the universe gets a chain code so we can register everybody and watch everybody and then cut was like ah i can't do that um so that's where the chain codes make sense to me but um the only other thing I could think of that, that there's an episode, it's actually the 100th episode of Clone Wars. It's the one with the droids with the little shitty guy that Mieber Gascon, but they find Gregor. And Gregor, as a clone, has like an imprinted barcode inside his arm, like in his right. flesh. And they scan it so they can like see who he is and where he was stationed and stuff. And But that's because he's a clone. So I'm wondering if maybe somehow the Empire, like, when they created Chain Code, started doing something like that so so people no, can no, be the, tracked. Yeah, you know, the, the people who made Grogu might have been doing that with all their people, too. Are, they are linked, you know. <laughs> His parents? The people who made Grogu? <laughs> Or the people, the I'm people kidding, who are interested, the people who are interested, uh, I, I should say the people who are interested in Grogu, you know, and, and this is tying parts of the Bad Batch and Clone Wars and, the, you know, the the rise of Skywalker and all that. But like, yeah, there's, you know, Gro- Grogu is a- around a weird genetics cult <laughs> corporation. Hey establishment or something so they they might have as soon as they saw him they were just like better better mark him you know there's so much stuff that we don't know about grogu and that's why i think he's so interesting um because fun fact grogu is the same age as anakin skywalker they were born the same year fun fact But, like, we know that Grogu was in the Coruscant Temple when Order 66 happened. We 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 know that he's been... We don't know what's happened to him from the Coruscant Temple to when we first meet him. Other okay. than shit. Shit has happened. And somehow he fell in with these, like, Nitko and that are... Everyone's hunting him down. And so there's a, there's a lot going on. That I, I'm actually really excited to learn more about Grogu over the show. Um, but that's all I had for Act 1. But he ever taught him how to write. Yeah. But did you have anything else for Act 1? I'm ready for Act 2. Act 2, I think, is one of the more fun acts. Act 2 has all my, like, big notes in it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Act 2. So I had to burp, and I, Manicondiums came up. It's fine. Um, so Den walks into Navarro, and he kicks in the door, and he's just like, Hey, everyone, I'm back! And they're all just like, hey, man, now. And he goes over to Grief Karga, and Grief Karga is like, Ah, oh, Mando, that was really fast. And he's like, I know. Do you have more jobs for me? And Grief Karga is like, at this rate, you're going to buy me out. And Mando's like, that's the idea. And Grief Karga is like, I can't do that for you, because I'm the head of the Bouncy Hunter Guild. There's a guild here. See all these people here? They all want to be part of that. You notice those two Trandoshans in the corner who's clearly listening to our conversation and they're going to show up in the next episode? They're here too. And Den's like, well, I need a job because I'm poor because the New Republic sucks and their fuel's expensive and everything might have been better with the Empire and there's a lot of like world building going on here in this conversation. And finally, Grief Cargo's like, okay, I have this client and it's off the books. And it's commission. So here's your little chip, and you can go to him. Have fun. And Mando's like, okay, bye. 
So Mando heads on out and he goes to find the most scene chewingest person ever who's glorious in the show, Warner Herzog. And Warner Herzog is like, hello, I have a job for you and it needs to be the sensitive matter, so we must keep it on the download. And Mando's like, I can keep things on the download. Oh God, who just walked in the room? And he pulls his gun out. And it's Dr. Pershing. And Dr. Pershing's like, oh, don't shoot me. I'm very cute and and uh, nervous. I'm a cute, nervous type, it's fine. And Warner Herzog is like, this is my associate doing weird science shit. Anyway, here's your details. You just get this 50 year old man, find this 50 year old thing and here's your tracking fob you are apparently very very expensive and a man of your talent shall be making use of all of that and Mando's like wow you say every consonant in your sentences don't you yes i do i'm Warner Herzog. and he's like okay bye so dan gets his information that's how you chew <laughs> <laughs> so dan gets his things he's like yay i have a job i need to go tell mom i have a job so he goes to the underground Mando cult, and the underground Mando cult is all like, hey, we're here, and we're living in the sewers, and there's kids running around and shit, and he's like, this is a sad place. So, oh, and Werner Herzog gave him some Beskar, and he kicks in the door, and he's just like, hey, mom, I have some Beskar, and apparently I'm gonna get more, and the armor is like, oh, cool, well, I'm gonna melt this down and give you PTSD! <laughs> So she takes the best car and she's like, we're gonna make a lot of foundlings. This must've been taken during the purge. We're gonna say a lot of keywords about, you know, the past of what's happened between rebels and now, but we're not gonna tell you any of it to make it all spooky for two seasons and make you wonder what happens. And then she makes a new shoulder piece of armor. And every time she smacks her ha hammer, Den has Clone Wars flashbacks, and he sees his parents, and he's just like, Oh, my feelings. Oh, I'm sad. I miss my mom and dad, but I'm fine. But now that he has this new armor in place, and it gets all put on him, like, ceremoniously, and she's like, Hey, do you have a picture that you want me to draw on here yet? And Den's like, I haven't thought of a picture yet. And she's like, That's cool. You'll get it next episode. It's fine. And he's like, thanks, Mom. And he gets his new armor without its picture drawn on it. And he heads on out to go find his job thing. What do you think of Act 2? I now like this idea of, of Din Djarin just being like, la, 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 I'm a bounty hunter. <laughs> he's not going to be around as long as Greasy, Grievy, but Herzog is my new Grievy. I love Warner Herzog in the God show. God bless Warner He's Herzog. He's so good. He just... Warner Herzog is pretty creepy. You got a pretty good Warner Herzog. Thank you. He just picks up every scene and then just shoves it in his mouth. He chews every scene. It's so good. He is not. Everything. He is. He is no uh, amateur. He is a. He is a like insanely skilled filmmaker, actor, guy, and I love. Uh, but he's also fucking infamously bull goose loony and you know just just full artist mode he's in he's a full artist like anything coming out of warner herzog's mouth is is ridiculously awesome and funny i love like the set stories of like he just fell in love with baby yoda on set and would just hold him between takes and like when they wouldn't use the puppets he would call John Favreau a coward. He's like, you must use the puppet. <laughs> Bring the puppet to me. Yeah. 
and and he just like it's Warner Herzog. There's only so much you can direct him. There's only so much you can direct him. Favre, like if I'm on the set of the the Mandalorian trying to how do you direct Warner Herzog? He's directed the greats, you know, and you know. I think that's interesting because this is Filoni directing this episode. This is his directing yeah. debut. Yeah, yeah, you're directing yeah. debut. You have one of the great directors on your set. You know, you basically he basically sort of has. He sort of has like a, a you know, a, um, Orson Welles type character on his set, you know, intimidating. But I, I'm sure Warner Herzog was being was being nice, he, uh, you know. <laughs> but I love that Warner Herzog was just like, oh, this guy, he's a fucking Nazi. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like allude, you know. I'm not gonna leave it in the subtext of. I'm going to be a full and he's not just, you know, just doing my job, Nazi. He's a full drinking the Kool-Aid, like enjoying you know. all the Nazis of the Nazi. He's like, I'm going to be a fancy Nazi. Uh, yeah, it, almost not even enjoying it. He's so steeped in it that he's just like, things must be the Nazi way or else. What the fuck? And he's just just awful just an aw- just an awful person yeah bring me the, you know basically telling J- telling dan you know, dan you know hey dude um, it's cool if you kill the child in the yeah, process you, know, you can bring him back dead or alive but dad wouldn't be that big a problem you know dude it wouldn't be that bad dead 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 you know i don't know about you know the the this wimpy guy here what he's saying but you know here's i'm the guy with the best car yeah he, he flat out says i am being pragmatic yes he is <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah god bless it that that is just like i mean just genius casting genius performance and like just in uh, yeah i can't say how and and he provides this wonderful um the, where you know he's like, I'm glad you're getting the best guy back. That's the or you know. Oh, the, that seems so creepy. Is like order. the order of things. And Den is just like, yeah, I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna like go, you know, give you any any uh, sort that of satisfaction with your Nazi shit. And then, you know, ten minutes later, then he's over in his extremist group, and they're like, ah, and you know, and and the woman he respects. You know, and is a superior saying, "Ah, good, we got the Beskar back. This is the order of things. It's good to see the order of things restored." And that's another thing that, like, it, you know, I, I, I'm sure I noticed it in the the first time watching it, but you really don't like know like how accurate it is until the second time viewing it and seeing the first two seasons about you know. Yeah, his, because that. Because I remember watching this the first time through and, like, hearing a lot of, like, the podcast talking about it and, like, a lot of different – because that was the mystery of what happened to Mandalore. And I'm like, is this it? Like, is it gone? Are they acting so, like, extremist because this is all that's left? There were so many big questions. And then Bo-Katan shows up and she's like, oh, you're one of those. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. oh, man, 
admit we still don't know what happened to Mandalore and shit still happened, but it's not as I, I get the feeling that like it's just not quite what as dire oh, as Death Watch. Was that the name of them? Death Watch, the original the This now that that is interesting that you bring this up because this group was formed by Death Watch. That's who rescued right. Den. Well De- Death Death Watch definitely like Get, you know, I mean, they were the extremists, they, yeah. Yeah, a, a, a society based upon war like Mandalore is going to have it, you know, maybe it's going to evolve like they were, where they're like, well, maybe we should, you know, get out of the war business as much. But, you know, if you have a, a society based on that, you're definitely going to have. You, then you automatically have a spectrum. So you're going to have people on that spectrum who are like extremist fundamentalists, you know? That's what's really interesting about everything, especially when you throw Bo-Katan in this, because we do know that the people who rescued Din as a child was Death Watch, who was pre-Vizsla's crazy-ass people. The interesting about the thing about that is Bo-Katan was part of that group during Clone Wars, and right. she and she broke away from that group. So it's a group that she is familiar with. So, like, there's so much, like, little messy webs there, and I'm just like, this is good. <laughs> I says the person who was just like, Mando's fine, and now I'm just like, this is great. <laughs> this is why we podcast, Chris. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I that that's really interesting to me too. Did you have any other notes? That's all I got for part two. Um, I'm gonna get my two short notes out of the way. I love the dirty stormtroopers. Yes. It really shows the state of the Empire right now that they are just bare bones and they're kind of skinny. They almost look so dirty that they almost don't register as people. Does that make sense? They almost come off. I don't want to say like zombies because it's not zombie makeup, but they have that kind of like not clean, pristine human. They look like like some they look like some guys that they hired from the some some ne'er do wells that they hired from the village and slapped on some shitty stormtrooper armor. Yeah, they they look like they haven't eaten in like two weeks. Like mm-hmm. they're just yeah, I love the dirty stormtroopers. They're ner- they're nervous and they're they're jumpy and they're yeah, yeah, and and it really does set the mood of like what's happening in this power vacuum of like the remnants of the empire are still clutching on, but the new republic is also struggling, which is which is part of the interesting part of the conversation with grief with grief and den. That that's a really good conversation because there's a lot of world building of like. The New Republic is floundering in the Outer Rim. And, like, you know, he talks about how, like, gas is crazy. And it's just, it's setting up that this world isn't perfect after the Empire is destroyed. And, like, which is kind of setting the groundwork of, like, why the the um, First Order comes back and stuff. Um, so that I really like that conversation with Den and Grief because there's so much world building there. Um it, but also, I, what I like about that conversation is, in, in the following scene with the armor, is it really shows Den's character. You know, um, everything he's doing, and he's taking on all these jobs because he's doing it for his Mando clan. Because that's his sense of purpose. And we know that he's a foundling. He's not a born Mandalorian. So it almost feels like he's trying to take every single job improve his worth and do right. whatever he can for this Mando clan because he wants to fit in. And so when he gets that pauldron, the shoulder piece, it's like this moment of he's just like, I did it. I made mom proud. 
but it also like has that like that weight to it of like him trying to fit into this world that he wasn't born into. Yes, I I totally agree. Yeah. Um, the poor monkey lizard watching his friend cook. That's more important, I think, than than it's it's a great little joke, but like the, the it's totally perfect, and the thought that they put into it, like. The way he's acting in in there is like like we've never seen a monkey lizard act before. But it's it's exact like when you see it, you're like, oh, that's exactly because they're 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 monkey lizards. So they're very like we've seen them when they're you know on the the show when they're free and like love and life. They're like ah ha ha yeah woohoo! But when they <laughs> when they're you know. Um, when they're getting ready to be cooked, they're just like, oh, God, how did I get, uh, you know, they're super dr- dramatic with the like, oh, oh, no, <laughs> it's perfect. And it's very Muppety. It's very Muppety. It's awesome. That's on purpose, too, because I, I meant to write this down and I forgot. So as you were talking, you gave me enough time to pull it back up again. Um, the quacky monkey lizard puppet seen in the bazaar here was hand built by Tony McVeigh, the designer and fabricator of the original Salacious B. Crumb in Return of the Jedi. Good, a Muppet then. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and it was made by the original Salacious Crumb maker. All right, time for my big notes. All right, even though we've already knocked out two of them. Oh boy, Bad Batch has made Dr. Pershing so much more interesting. Yep. Because, in case you don't know, Dr. Pershing's little patch on his outfit is the Kaminoan cloning facility. But the thing about that is, we see in Bad Batch that the Kaminoans are gone. They're gone. Except for the one head cloner, which is taken to a, at the very end of the sh- uh, first season one, to a very human. Uh, scientist person who pretty much dresses like dr pershing (laughs) and has the same patch on her jacket so bad batch made and and i personally this is a hope theory i think pershing's gonna be a long-term sleeper character i think we're gonna see him keeps like popping up more and more and i think he's going to continue playing a big role because he has kind of that that cloning thing and we know that's with, with bad batch running and like focusing on the cloners and then, like, we know from the sequel trilogy that Snoke is a clone. I think that Pershing's going to be this, like, in between those two series characters that's just going to yeah. continue popping up throughout yep. the show. Yeah. Um, he just feels like a slow burn character. Slow burn to a turn to being a, a, a helping character. Yeah, I could, I could actually see Pershing... Um, not ending up, you know, switching sides and joining, like, dead yeah, on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't have, you know, like, we're, we were saying, like, Herzog is, like, going full Nazi. Pershing seems like a character that's, like, they, kind of, oh, what's J- uh, Galen Urso from Rogue One? He's there because that's where his work is, and the only person who will fund his work is the Empire. Yeah, no, he's sort of trapped. He's sort of trapped to, like, he's doing his work. If he stops, his work is pretty secret, so if he stops, they'll probably just kill him. Yeah. He's just, he's, like, probably just hopefully trying to be, to do, like, be, like, a human element in there, you know? He's, like, probably, that's how he 
he gets to sleep at night is he's like, I'm going to try at least to like save, save this kid. So yeah, or do something, you know, we know that he saves Grogu like later on. Cause like Jen's just like, what'd you do to him? He's like, I saved his life. They were going to kill him. <laughs> like we know that he saved him. So yeah, I, no, I he's do... trying to, in this episode, he's, you know, that's his, he he's knows arguing. that, yeah, he knows that Werner Herzog is looking for some Grogu blood and he's, he's, Definitely, he's there, he's there. You know, he knew that they were going to have that little co- that conversation with the bounty hunter, or well, like probably Herzog was probably trying to avoid that conversation, but he just comes in and you know, and makes sure that that he gets his and and that he plants a seed with Din. Mm-hmm. He plants a seed of just like we need to keep this asset alive, please, yeah. alive, keep it alive. Um, yeah. Well, so, that yeah, doesn't I, mean anything till then, till the end of the episode. But and then yeah, he's just like, it's still yeah, there. God, that seed is there for when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love Pershing. I think he's going to be around for a while and he's something to watch. Um, the only other note I have, and I'm going to talk about this way more next week, um, is just I, I love the visual storytelling of the sh- of the show and how little is being said. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be I'll be I'll be blabbing about that in two weeks. Probably. Yeah. It's two weeks. Because it, it made me realize, like, um, I think next week, next week's the one with the, the Jawas. There's no dialogue maybe, for, like, okay, the maybe fir- it is next week. Yeah, no. Next yeah, because there's no our, dialogue for, like, the first, like, 11 minutes of the episode or something. The Mad it's, Max Fury Road of, of Mandalorian. Of yeah. So that's all I have for Act 2. Did you have anything else? No. <laughs> All right, you ready to wrap up the first puppy of Mando, the first Mando puppy? This is the way? Let's wrap this this, uh, blurg up. Blurg. Blurg Blurg is one of my favorite words, Star Wars words. I just like going blurg. (laughs) I think I said this during Battle for Endor 2, but it's still the same. All right. Let's, Let's tame this wild blurg. Act three. So, Dan arrives on a new planet, and it's kind of dusty and everything, and he's just like, oh, it's so dry here. And he gets out, and he's like, all right, I gotta, gotta figure out which way to go. And he uses his little disintegrator rifle, but it has a scope, and he's like, I'm gonna look on the horizon. And as he's looking around, a blurg shores up, and the blurg is like, blurg! And Dan is like, ah! And then the blurg, like, bites his arm, and Dan's like, ow! And then he tries to use the flamethrower, which only works one time that I think about in the series, like where he actually uses the flamethrower successfully. But whatever, he has a flamethrower, but it doesn't work. And the blurg's all like, and as he's getting like mauled by a blurg, they get tranquilized. And Quill shows up and Quill's just like, sup, man, I've spoken. And Den is like, I hope that's not your catchphrase. And he's like, it is. I have spoken. Come with me. So Quill takes Mando back to his house. And Mando's like, thank you for helping me. That was really nice of you. What do you want? And Quill's like, I just want peace to return to my valley. Because as long as bounty hunters keep coming, there's going to be war. And I keep seeing people die. And Den's like, well, I'll give you a cut. And 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 Quill's just like, I'll just take the blurgs. And I'm happy with them. And Den's like, cool with me. I can't take blurgs anyway. So... Quill's like, I will take you to your asset just so I can have peace. And Den's like, cool, let's fly there. And Quill's like, nah, we gotta do how to train your dragons, but with blurgs. So Den has to learn how to ride a blurg, and he's all like, this sucks. 
and he keeps getting thrown off the blurg until he has his like toothless moment. He's like, you're a good girl, pretty girl. And she's like, thanks, I'm blurg. And you're nice too. And he learns how to ride the blurg and it's a Western trope. And Amanda's all like, this is fun, yeehaw. <laughs> Sorry. Backing yourself up again, Hope. Backing yourself up. It was, this is fun, yeehaw! That's what got me. This is fun, yeehaw! Just a yeehaw! Oh, oh, anyway, sorry, sorry, sorry. So they're riding across the dusty plains on Blurgs, and Din's having a lovely time, and Quill's so nice, because Quill's just the best. And he takes him to the Nikto encampment, where there's a bunch of Nikus running around. But these are not sweet boy Nikus, like our Niku from Resistance. These Niktos are assholes. And Din's like, oh, well, fuck. So he, he gets down, and Quill's like, peace out, bro. And Quill rides off. And Din goes down there, and he's like, all right, let me figure out the best way to get in here. But oh, no. A bounty hunter droid swaggers up, and it's IG-11. And IG-11's like, hello, not Nikus. Welcome. I'm here to tell you to give me a thing, the thing that I'm looking for, or I will kill you all. And the Nikus are like, we cannot do that. We cannot give you the thing that you're coming for. So we're going to kill you too. And a fight breaks out, and like, pew, 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 pew. And Den's like, fuck me. So he climbs down there, and he walks over. He's like, excuse me, droid. And IG-11 shoots him, but he hits him in the Beskar. And he's like, don't shoot me. I'm just a poor himbo. I'm just trying to make my way through the life. And IG-11's like, oh, I'm sorry, poor Hembo. Are you also a bounty hunter? He's like, yes, I am. Why are, are, I guess we're looking for the same thing. You want to team up and split it? And IG-11's like, yes, let's do it. So they are all just like, pew, 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 more pew, pew, pews. And IG-11 at one point is like, this fight is really hard. I'm just going to self-destruct. And Jen's like, what? No, don't self-destruct. We don't do that. We are not quitters. And IG-11's like, you're right. I am not a quitter. And Den's like, cool. I'm apparently inspirational now. Let's fight. And then they pew, 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 pew some more. And then the Nikus are like, hello. We have brought a big gun now. We would like to shoot you with it now, please. And the Nikus are firing. But Din gets the big gun and kills all the Nikus. And they're all like, no. And so finally, they're like, all right. All the Nikus are dead. And they get the big gun and they shoot down the door. And so Den and IG-11 come in, and they're looking around, and it's dark. And they, they follow the tracking fob to this, like, little egg-shaped thing. And he clicks on it, and it opens. And Den's confused. He's like, I thought the person we were looking for were, was 50. And IG-11's like, well, I'm going to kill it anyway. Goodbye, tiny thing. And Den shoots IG-11. And his life changes forever. Because with IG-11 down, he looks down, and he sees little Grogu staring back at him. And Den picks up Grogu, and he's like, holy shit, I'm a dad now. The end. <laughs> Wouldn't it be awesome if Grogu could talk inside of people's heads and he had a deep, silky voice? Like I, uh, like have... Audrey, Audrey 2 in, in like, uh, <laughs> Little Shop of Horrors. I have a lot of mixed feelings. I, I know you're joking. Um, Beat me, Mandalorian. But I have a lot of, like, on one hand, I would love to hear Grogu talk. 
on the other hand, it's it would be a huge adjustment, you know, um, because for one, what if he no, doesn't talk like no, no, it would be no bueno. I don't I think. What if, because well, that was the thing about his name, because he was called Baby Yoda for so long, it took people a while to get used to, to, to Grogu because he was just Baby Yoda. And when we finally learned his name, I know a lot of people were like, that was stupid. But like, I, I kind of like this idea of if Grogu started talking, what if he didn't talk like Yoda? Like in Yoda speech, what if he talked like Mando? Like with like good grammar and everything. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah. And but I just know that people would just be like, burn it down. <laughs> he has to talk like Yoda, and then the the internet would burn. Um, well, I mean, I don't know that. Well, there's been a there's been a uh, like uh, you know um, several several times like you know like huts like you know now we know that all huts don't sound like Jabba the Hut. Some of them that's true because zero actually right. There have been a few precedents set for stuff like that, and and I mean, ju- shit, just on Futurama, what the hell was the name of their pet? Uh, I know what you're talking about. Who was a little cute, like? Well, well, well. I know, I know, I know who you're talking about, but. So. I'm. Yeah. Um. I my my favorite visual note from this one is I love Star Wars shots through a cockpit when they're coming in when it's like a stable shot over a shoulder whoever's flying the ship but the planet's sort of like spinning into place as they're getting ready to let you know so everything's moving outside the ship and I just love those like establishing super you know, motion filled yet stable shots. They do it a lot. And and they're always only like a second and a half, two seconds. They're just enough to go like, Ooh, and it really gives you the feel of like flying in a spaceship Mm -hmm. as, as you would imagine it, I guess. Um, Once again, now they're adding Nick Nolte to the mix is just pretty awesome. But like the end of this is just a total, homage to the wild bunch with the gatling gun and everything and i just love how they establish that he doesn't like robots but yet he and ig11 immediately like how easily he just goes into like i would watch an entire season of just den and ig11 together of them them roaming the plains and and getting into trouble yeah i mean they just immediately fell into this sort of like you know begrudging partnership and uh it was it's just funny but he hates robots but like i I think it it turns out he like really works with them well (laughs) yeah like i think it's used just enough because between this and then like ig11's next appearance like those two appearances um it works just enough and as much as i would i would watch an entire season of den ig11 together i think it would get old fast so I think I think they're going on like fudge logic, like they're using it just enough, but they know not to use it too much because then it gets sick. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's an it's a nice touch. That's all I really have for for Act Three. I mean, the, it was just one of the best reveals ever in Star Wars. You yes, know, the, the Donald Glover was father. right. Oh yeah, 
Donald I mean, Glover was right. <laughs> you listen to Donald Glover. He's one of those like Renaissance men, polymaths, who's like not only skilled, but he's obviously an entertainer. You know, he obviously has a sense of like drama and and expressing himself and and being and being dramatic. So, like, I would definitely trust his instincts on on something like that. And he was right. He did luck out a little bit with COVID. <laughs> that sounds like a terrible statement, but you know, that that worked in his favor anyway. But still, I don't know what you mean by that. That 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 COVID came along and then Grogu's the delayed Grogu toys oh, saved them. I thought you meant that Donald Glover locked out, lucked out because he got COVID. That's how you phrased. No, no. I was very confused at first. <laughs> <laughs> no, he lucked out because he didn't he didn't break them break them on the toy thing. He actually saved them, but like it was because of of COVID. But still, like I, I mean that was a that was a good like that was a truly surprising reveal for me. And it was like and it was a reveal that's not an old, you know, an old established character like here you remember this, but at the same time it has associations. So it was just, it was, it was like, it was almost like, of course, why wouldn't, why hasn't anybody thought of this before? You know, it, it was just, it was perfection. It was just like, ding, this is what, what you're supposed to do right here. And I, it was. Uh, hey, I will never forget the best reaction I saw to someone experiencing Grogu for the first time. The December after this show started, so December 2019, before the world went to hell. <laughs> that was such a nice time. Um, I uh, I was at a Christmas party, and it was a nerdy Christmas party, so they just had Mandalorian on in the background. And this woman was very drunk and sitting on the couch. And when Grogu popped up, she just went, oh, what is that? What is that? Why is it so cute? And then she started crying, like literally sobbing, like, oh, what is he? He's so cute. Just sobbing, just <laughs> sobbing. And so when episode two started, like Grogu was walking around, she was like, he's walking? Oh, he's walking? And I just was like watching this drunk lady on the couch, like standing behind the couch, just drinking my drink, going, this is so much more entertaining. <laughs> This is one of those cute, cute people. It's funny. My um, one of my friends was talking to you know on Facebook, and one of his friends just like commented, "Look at you!" But they spelled it like Y E W. Immediately, they like it, and I'm like, "That's got to be an in joke." And then someone put up the video, and it was this video of a hedgehog in a in a in a tub, and that this little hedgehog named Shmi. That they were giving a, a a bath, and it's like sounds like three ladies. You don't see any of them. You just see the you just see the hedgehog in the and the, and all the and it's six minutes of this of these women going, oh, me sweat. Are you swimming? Look oh. at you. Look at you. Oh, he's swimming. Are you happy? Look at you. For like six minutes, it's the most, it's the like, it's like cute, cute people who are like, like really like that lady who can really like, you know, some people get addicted to crack, some people go out and get addicted to cute, you know, and they, and they'll yeah. just like power, power it into their veins. 
this was <laughs> this just sounded like three women just like just just like you know they just they're like crackheads who just uncovered like this fist-sized piece of crack and we're like look at that <laughs> they're just like absorb and like all talking baby talk at the same time at this at this hedgehog that's just floating on its back in the water just like <laughs> these humans make weird noises anyway to get my one small note out of the way <laughs> i had a moment the first time that quill spoke and I just flashed back for like the week following this episode when it was nothing but people posting, I have spoken everywhere. <laughs> yeah, until until this is the way it came along. And then all of a sudden yeah. that, that booted that right out of the. But there right. was like a good like three weeks where like I have spoken was just everywhere. And I just uh-huh. I just had that flashback of like hitting 2019 of just being like, oh, I remember those days. <laughs> But um, on a more serious note, I love Quill. Quill still is one of my favorite characters to this day. Like, uh, he's just such a good character. He's, he's so the sweet. Zen master. He's he the, is the Zen master. He's the, he's the Zen, Zen master, master that pushes him out. He's the Obi-Wan Kenobi of the storyline, sort of. Yeah, and I'm so sad of how, like, what short time that he has in the story. Ah, uh, um, that's how, they, how it goes. I know, I know. But, like, I just, I love him. And I just want to say this, because Nick Nolte gets all the fame and stuff like that, and it does not get said enough. Misty Rojas acts the hell out of Kawil. She is yeah. the one that's physically in that suit, acting and working the puppetry. And that's a complex puppet. Like, she is controlling, like, like there's, there's people controlling the face, and she's acting, and she's the eyes, his eyes. And, like, she is not credited she's not even credited in this episode and she acts the fuck out of kawil so misty misty rojas needs to get so much more love for this role because kawil nick nolte might be the voice but she is she's also frog lady too and like she's just such a good costume actor like we talked about that during warwick davis month about like how warwick davis is a very good costume actor so is she like she's played multiple roles in the show, and everyone. Well, in still. in episode three hundred, when we were talking about uh, um, um, who we would want in, in Star Wars, and Doug Jones came up. Yeah. Another, another one who would, is is a, of that same. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just a very very little note. I love the transition from like Mando has just tamed the blurg and is like learning how to ride it, and it transitions to them like riding across the plains, and it just hits the theme song. I love that transition. That's the transition that just makes me go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's it, it's funny because it does the it does the uh, Star Wars wipe, and the music and the stuff stuff. But that Star Wars wipe is also a trope of Western movies. So it totally just blends them perfectly together. Yeah. And the music does that too. So it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, IG-11 has one of the best intro, char- uh, like character intros of Star Wars. Yeah. He's just, he just walks in and he's funny and then he kicks ass and then he's funny and then he kicks ass. Like, well, that's all you need to know. And it's such well, that's, a strong introduction. That's the thing. This this show is filled with, I mean, 
first Herzog, you know, when I'm watching this the first time, Herzog, it's like, holy shit, here goes Herzog doing his thing. Oh, my God, I can't believe I'm getting this in a Star Wars TV show, you know? Oh, my God, he's not. Uh, holy shit, that was a great idea to to, to do that. Normally, in a 36-minute in a show, that's the thing you would have in the show. And then they have IG-11, and you're like, oh, my God, this is what a great character introduction and then they then they just like make you forget about both of them at the end I'm glad, you I'm glad you mentioned like the 36 minutes because um that was my other big note the pacing of this episode is insane there's so much crammed into this because we have the opening we have the part with the mithril then we go to grief karga then we go to the armorer then we go to kawil's house then he learns to ride the blurg and then he goes and they ride across the plains and then we meet get to the encampment and then we have the fight with ig11 and then they have the big fight scene and then we meet baby yoda that's a shit ton to sh it's like they bend time because it and, and there and there's like at least three points where it slows down with two characters there's four there's, there's like four scenes where it slows down and it has characters just talking to each other you know they're, it, they're, they're, he's talking with you know about the bounty and then they're yeah. talking with herzog and talking and it doesn't with, feel rushed no but in a, in a, in and not in a bad way it feels longer than 35 minutes but not in a bad way like it doesn't at no point does it feel like it's dragging because everything like is properly placed and quiet and you even have like quiet scenes like the armor and den says maybe like four lines to each other but that's like a three minute three four minute scene and it doesn't feel long it feels purposeful and the so like the pacing of this episode is really really good uh, um, it's very star wars <laughs> yeah um, the only other note I have is, uh, this is my, my downer. I feel like this episode really takes off about the time we get to Herzog. Everything before that is kind of fine to me. Like, it's fine. It's actually what I expected the show to be. It's just tone setting, basically. And, and that's kind of the thing. Like, the first, like, up to Herzog, like, is what I expected of the show. From Herzog on is where the show started changing my expectations, and I'm going to talk about this more next week because I've said this multiple times to Chris, and I don't think he understands what I mean. Um, from here, like once Grogu comes in, the show is like weirdly soft. Say, so, and I, no, I know. I totally know what you mean. Yeah, like it's weirdly soft, even though it's a dark, gritty bounty hunter show um, where people are dying and stuff like that. But it has this kind of softness to it. And like we saw, started seeing a little bit like with the blurg, like where like Wheels like, oh, it, it's a woman, it's a lady, it's a lady blurg, and like we see like that softness come out of Din, where he's just like, it, it's okay, girl, and he has his how to train your dragon moment, and like I'm surprised at how soft the show can be at times. Um, so like from Persog on, like the the episode really picked up to me, and, and like changed what I thought of it. But like the first like up to Herzog, it was exactly what I thought it was. So I thought it was fine. So, like, this episode is really, like, a tell of two halves for me. Because I think the first half is fine, while, like, the second half is really solid. Um, so, yeah. But that's all I have for this. Do you have anything else? No, I think that's that's about all I have. Well, just to, just to address the softness aspect of it, I found funny is the soft... The, like, the, I, I noticed the softness coming into the show, but at the same time, I was thinking to myself, narratively, 
you're going to need some of this. You're going to need some of this for his character to grow and for the show to be able to progress. I just remember so the, first time I have... said, the first time I said it, I was like, yeah, the show has this nice softness to it. And you're like, a guy got cut in half. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But it's, yeah, and, and especially, well, like, but like this first episode's probably one of the hard, it, there's a couple other hard, hard episodes, like where it's really gritty, where it's more gritty, you know, than other episodes. But like, I just like that they got away, like, I was like worried that the softness would all of a sudden set off fandom of going like, oh, here it goes, it's going soft or whatever. But no, it had always had enough grit in it to keep nobody noticing the softness or to, or there was enough mix to where it it didn't get like any any grief for it which is a, a testament to the the show <laughs> yeah absolutely so um so did you have anything else to talk about no not really all right chris rate up the score of the show for me um as uh, in the context i'm giving this an of the whole of you know having seen seen this before i give it a nine but if i was rating it yeah it's this is a this is a solid opener for i mean this is one of the greatest openers for a star wars tv show ever usually the star wars tv shows don't start off as much with a bang because they build you know the and uh this one just came out, came out swinging and tonal, tonally was just very, just, just perfect. So, but it, like, if I was rating this as like the first time I saw it as a, as a premiere episode of a, of a show, I would give it a 10 out of 10. I think it's like, I, I, I think you couldn't do any better than this to like put out a show that's going to draw in the fans and it did, you know, it worked, you know? So, but I'm giving it a nine in the context of the show. Cause I know there's shows that I like better than this. Yeah. It's going to be some tens. I'll, I'll have more tens in this. I might have a more swing style, but I've, I'll, I'll be hitting some higher. There's, there's, uh, I, I know there's at least one 10 in season one. That's so interesting because in the context of the show and, and knowing like what episodes I like and dislike and stuff like that, um, I purposely rated it a little bit lower um, just to give myself some wiggle room. Um, and, and still like that first kind of opening quarter, I just I think is fine. I think it's OK. I don't think it's great. Um, but until the second half. So I gave it a 7.75 out of 10. I didn't think it was quite to the eight range, but a lot of that is I'm purposely going lower. You know what? Fuck it. Eight out of ten. We'll do it eight out of ten. Yeah. It's fine. It's eight out of ten. Um, but I, I do want to give myself some wiggle room because I know what my favorite episodes is. Even though I'm I'm really actually interested to tackle my favorite episode again. Because my feelings have really changed about one character, <laughs> which we'll talk about when we get to episode four, which is my favorite episode going into this. But I have a lot of bad, not great feelings about a certain actress that plays the character. So, yeah. and we'll definitely be talking about that when we get there. So, 
Um, anyway, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, and on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. Um, and this week, our feedback comes from Twitter and Facebook for our Resistance episode, the final episode of Resistance, The Escape. Oh my God, back on the last show. Yeah, right. yep. Sort of from Charles from Gold Squadron Gaze. Charles Who? says, fun fact, while the Team Colossus isn't noticeable in the Tross film, the novelization does include cute dialogue from Tam, Kaz, and Yeager, confirming that they were at Exegol. I eventually will get my hands on that 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 book. It yeah. did hurt me a bit that they're not really resistant. They're not really in Resistance Reborn, though, unless I just don't remember. They had a mention where they were like, "We know that the Colossus is off somewhere," um, right. but that that's it. But that's it. Yeah, see, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted in Trust was to have that canon connectivity, like to hear like either Hera or Jason on the ghost and to see the Colossus crew like in that final battle. Like that's that's the kind of thing I feel like it was missing. But I I actually didn't know they were in the novelization. So thank you for letting me know, Charles, because I did not know that. Um, I just knew that they had ships designed for the movie that weren't used. So. All right, the next one comes from Paul C. Kelly. Ooh, yeah. First Mandalorian letter. Looks like Pyre got, well, it's not Mandalorian yet, but the first Paul C. Kelly on our Mandalorian show. Looks like Pyre got less a less painful death than Tierney unless the Star Destroyer's explosion did not hit him and he suffocated in space. Oh, yeah. Actually, that would be great if that happened to Ruckland. Oh, yeah. Ruckland deserves the worst, most horrible, painful fucking death ever. Happy ever. ending rap seemed a bit rushed. I was almost expecting the smile, darn yeah, smile sunshine from Roger Rabbit to pop out. Okay, so about the ending. I... We talked at, yeah, I'm not going to go into this because we talked at length over how we feel like season two probably did get shafted and they probably did have to end it quickly. Um, so I don't think that's a mistake in the show. I think for the circumstances, they did the best they could with the ending they had. And they just did the best they yeah. could. Yeah, yeah. So we forgot to pick out candy before the show. Do you just want to save candy for next week? Yeah, I think we only have one or two candies left of our. I actually have it right here above my head. Um, that in my freezer, but I. Yeah, we only have two left, so. Yep, two left. So we'll save it. Next week. Next week. Um, all right, well, if you have don't have anything else, we New Year, New Year show. Here I was, and I started, I was like, oh, Mandalorian, blah, blah, blah. And here I'm going just like, all the things I love about this episode. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Chris, if you don't have anything else to say, where can people find you? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our website where you can find Jay Guys and Jedi and all our other podcasts. We are also on Facebook. We got the Two True Freaks podcast page where you can go and see all everybody putting their episodes up and the Two True Freaks Cantina where you can go talk to everybody as much as being on social media is talking and on uh, Twitter we're also there uh, you just put in two true freaks and there you'll find our Twitter page run by Gene Gene the forever intro machine Gene does all of our intros Gene 
Uh, I named this this intro forever intro in like a forever stamp. Hopefully, it'll hold us forever. You know the song "Forever Young." Which one? Oh, I don't remember. There's a whole bunch of them. For the ones that's like forever young. Yeah, it's it's a more yeah, and then there's like a Rod, there's a Rod Stewart hit "Forever Young." There was a Bob Dylan song "Forever." Well, I was young. just gonna say, just we need to make a "Forever Young" version of Gene, but like "Forever Intro." Gene. Are you thinking of the one with the with the auto tune on it? Like I wanna be forever young. Yeah, there we go. Yep. I hear that on my coworkers Spotify all the time. Want to do the intros forever, says Gene. I don't write music, isn't it obvious? <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. Where can you find hope? That you know, I was just wondering that. I was just going to ask you that. I don't know. I don't know where the fuck I am. It's 2022. Where, where, is, where is any of us these days? Um, you can also find, follow me at JGuysAndJedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hobonix. I do write for the Geeky Waffle. Um, so you can see my reviews over there. We did a lot of like end of the year stuff too. And I'm also uh, not on every episode, but I'm a semi-regular guest on their Star Wars podcast, Space Waffles. So you can hear me talk with my good friend Arzu about a galaxy far, far away um, occasionally over there. So, yeah. All right. Wait, well, oh, what's the name of next week's episode? Fuck. Hope, hope is good at podcasting and Hope forgot to do this. Chapter one, The Mandalorian. Next week, we're going to be talking about chapter two, The Child. Yoda's favorite episode. The Child. The Child. The Child. And the Jawas, and the eggs. Yeah, don't you don't you love the the, the, the Jawas? Don't you love the egg? Don't you love Those Baby Yoda? Yeah. Don't you want to see Baby Yoda? Leave Yoda alone. Leave Yoda out of this. Okay, okay. Well, here's some candy, and we love you, Yoda. We understand and know that this is hard for you, so just know that we love you very much. Not hard for you. It's gonna be hard for baby goes. <laughs> That's where you should end right there, just like burp, 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 burp. there he goes. Da 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 da. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. 
Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way.